everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for another exceptional episode. Today's discussion is about the perspectives of self-editing and feedback. We're looking forward to an exciting discussion on this topic because so many people have different ways of editing their own work, which we call self-editing. And in addition, we rely on others for feedback on our work, which we call peer editing. There are many benefits and ways to to approach both of these We hope all of you will enjoy this discussion as we introduce some topics, hear some ideas, and field questions from participants. Prepare yourself for another episode full of learning, laughter, and new ideas for readers and writers. Writing Works Wonders weekly writing prompts are terrific. Creativity boosters. New and experienced writers Enjoy them, and so do we. Go to writingworkswonders.com and click Contact Us, and you'll find the writing prompts right there. You may also email or phone in your response, or you can click and post your writing response as a comment right on the web page. Raise your hand now if you would like to read your response from this week's writing prompts in just a few moments. I'm Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hey, Kathy, and hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here with all of you. And I got the fabulous co-host, Master of the Universe, Master (laughs) of our website. Go to our website, and you see this fabulous work that Kathy does. Without further ado, last week's prompt was under 75 words the using the words full moon teddy bear and rocks first up we have abby hi everybody this is called harvest moon lullaby daddy i can't sleep barbara said stepping onto the porch with her teddy bear The full moon illuminated a shiny object at her feet. She picked it up. That's a magic rock, her father said from the porch swing. Come sit with me and I'll tell you all about it. Smiling, she snuggled next to him. His soft voice, the swing gently rocking and chirping crickets soon lulled her to sleep. Thank you. And Anthony is up next. Anthony Corona. All right. Mine is called The Lonely Teddy Bear. (laughs) He sat discarded on the porch waiting for his boy. As the full moon rose, a tear slipped down and out of his sewn-on button eye. How could he have forgotten me, Teddy thought to himself, as he subconsciously shifted towards the rock to use as a pillow. And just when the moon hit high in the sky, 
a door crashed open and the boy's frantic mother looked to the left, looked to the right, and finally spotted Teddy. She scooped him up and said, he's been waiting for you, crying for you, and now you can both go to sleep. Marlene Massat. Mine is called No Teddy Bear Picnic. The full moon spilled her light into the forest clearing unaware. The teddy bears had cleared up their picnic with care. Chairs of rocks sat silently to stare until a father and daughter happened to appear there. Holding his hand, the little girl asked, Why is no one here? Is the teddy bear's picnic past? Her dad replied with a nod of his head, Let's keep walking, he told her instead. And that's the end. But this actually became a longer story point. Thank you. Great. To be continued. Back to you, Miss Kathy. All righty. Folks should check out the website. Go to www.writingworkswinters.com and click writing prompts. And under this one, under teddy bear, you'll see at least five, maybe six entries People really enjoyed this one. It's great to see everybody piling in with their responses. And we'll have a new one for you at the close of the show. As usual, this is an interactive workshop as we hear about how different people on the call approach self-editing and peer editing or feedback. And not only Cheryl and I will share, but also from our participants on the call. And as I mentioned, we'll also ask you um, if you have questions. So I'm going to provide a very short introduction about self-editing. And please raise your hand to answer the question that I pose at the end of this. The term self-editing is pretty clear when you think about it. It's when we edit our own work. But what we include in that can be from apples to donuts. Who knows what people include in self-editing? And a lot of people have different systems, timelines, focus for what they edit and when they edit. So this is part of what I want to hear from different folks I know we're interested in. So the first question is, what do you include in your self-editing process And what does the timeline look like? How long does it span? You might describe the time span. It might be in hours, days, months, how many reviews you do. Give you an example. For me, self-editing, the way I do it, what works for me, I learned in graduate school. I write something, I edit it, and then I call what I do an incubation period. I put it away and walk away from it for a period of time. I try to get my papers done Two weeks early. Yes, I was a bit crazy. Because why? Because when we go back to it, we can see it better. Literally see and hear it better. Because without that time break, I was reading and hearing the words I expected to be on the page, not what was necessarily there. I hope people can understand that. And so the distance helps you see or hear it with clarity. And what I include in my first self-editing is spelling punctuation, word choice, rearranging text, maybe moving the order of the paragraphs, even changing chapters around in a book or a longer document. 
and really also focusing on drawing in and holding a reader's attention. Clarity, focus, and the effective use of literary techniques. Many times if I'm working on a longer document, I'll actually create a little checklist to make sure that I'm going through sections and looking at things consistently. And I might go through and say, I'm going to just pay attention because I had to do a lot of editing of dissertations in my work. So I was editing documents that were maybe 200 pages long. I'd be looking at these for my student and say, okay, let me look at it just on content and logic, what's going on and ignore anything else. Then I'd go back through after I had dealt with that and made comments, say, now I'm going to go through and do editing and think about it in terms of, and I do this for my own work too, terms of the punctuation, um, word choice, and clarity. And then a whole different one is thinking about your reader. Different times, I would go through with a different, almost like tunnel vision on a specific frame that I was trying to look at my work or the work of someone else. And I just want to mention that some of us write nonfiction and fiction, some write one or the other. And I think a big thing that we know with nonfiction as writers of nonfiction, staying on topic and developing our topic well is really important as far as our content. And for fiction, plot and character development, in addition to other things, but those are distinctive that you're not really, they don't match in between the two different areas. So that's one thing that came to my mind, that if you're doing fiction, you're thinking about that. But if you're doing nonfiction, you're thinking about the other. So those are a few of the benchmarks that I use and a couple of strategies. Editing, for me, can take a very long time. And what I mean by that is if I'm editing a chapter, which might be 20 pages, that might take me two months. If I'm editing a book, that could take me a year to edit a book, a 200-page book, because of the level of editing I'm doing. That's been my experience with nonfiction because of the detail. Cheryl, do you want to make any comments? And we'll let people raise hands. 75 word or less prompt can take me hours because I go back through and I put it down and I go back through because I want it to say what I need to say. You know, I don't have pages and pages to say what I need to say. So there's different types of editing. We'll let people talk and fill in as we go along. All right. Chanel. First up is Carol Mackey. Hi. Great topic. I have a question. The difference between editing, because that's the word you're using, and revision. For me, there's a big difference in, in that process because when I do it, I think of it as revision because and I do write poetry, which is in a shorter format, at least what I write. So I write something and it's a draft and I'll go back to it and fool around with it and then leave it. So I'm revising, but how, when do you go back and revise how much and you're to answer your question, it's ongoing because I'll go back to something and it, and it comes and I'll fool around with the words. And I don't worry about the technical, the spelling, the punctuation until I've got the words right. And so I've got the flow right. So because that just gets in the way to me. So that's my question is the difference between the word and the meaning of revision and editing. Thanks. I think that's really good. You brought up a really good point, Carol. That's one of the tips I try to give people if they can, if it helps them to go ahead and write and ignore spelling and punctuation. Get your words down. 
get your flow arranged, etc. And try not to get hung up in the technical, what you're, I think you use the word technical, the punctuation and the spelling right up front. Get your thoughts and your flow the way that you think it's going to sound best. Because the other is more technical, nitty gritty. And the, the main purpose is trying to get our meaning across. Then we can clean it up. For me, they're, they're together. Revision and editing. They're all together. I'm doing both simultaneously. I use the terms interchangeably for myself. I don't know professionally if that's accurate or not. So we'll see what others say. Cheryl, what's your thoughts? Always to do an extra spell check, even if someone else has checked it, especially with my vision. I can hit that keyboard accidentally, put a nine, a one. There's a star. There's a period somewhere. Going through and doing that last edit, I'm surprised that are there. That's my suggestion. Next up is Anthony. Hey, a couple of weeks ago when I was here, I, I made the disclaimer, even though I spent 10 years as, as an editor for the Associated Press, I hate editing. <laughs> like you, Kathy, I edit and revise at the same time. And that comes, you know, that comes from being at the Associated Press. You, you know, the turnover time is so quick. You just have to, you know, you have to be thinking with both sides of your brain. But when I when I sit down to write a longer piece, written and published over 400 short stories, when I'm looking at a piece like that, I also like to multitask and I'll go in and out of the piece for a while until it's finished. And I'll do the same thing with my revision process, you know, and I keep an open document with character points, outline points, and things like that, because I want to make sure from a reader perspective that the story makes sense. I found early on that writing, I had the story in my head, so it made a lot of sense to me. But the way, certain times, the way I was writing things, it was based upon what was already in my head, and the reader would get confused. As far as technical editing, as I call it technical editing, editing as well, spelling, punctuation, and formatting, and things like that, I leave that to the very end. Even, and this is an important step for me, and I suggest this to new writers, before I go in for my technical edit, when I think that I've gotten the flow of, of what I'm writing down pat perfect, and now it just needs the technical edit, I always ask somebody else to read it to me. Hearing it in someone else's voice, hearing where they're gonna where they're gonna hit with the pauses and things will help me with my punctuation edit. You know, spelling is, is easy. <laughs> you run a spell check, you figure it out. But the punctuation editing also helps when I hear it from somebody else. Because Cheryl actually took a point that I was thinking, when when you're writing it and editing it yourself, it is in your own head. Hearing it from somebody else's voice definitely helps me with that. As far as nonfiction, I've always found that, you know, same thing, keep an open document and, and keep a flow or an outline as to, you know, what the piece is supposed to be about, because often we can go off on tangents. I often, you know, will ask myself multiple times, what is the subject matter at hand? And is the information that I'm putting here relevant to the subject matter from the reader's perspective rather than, I, I, I know I'm smart and, and I don't want my writing to make people think that I know I'm smart. So I, I want to make sure that I'm giving them, you know, giving the reader only the information from what the article they opened or the, or the piece of nonfiction that I'm, that I'm writing that they're looking for. But in both sides of the, you know, both the fiction and the nonfiction side of things, 
I always leave the technical editing to the end. That's a little about my process. Thank you. Very good. Thank, Thank you, Anthony. Anthony. What Anthony said, sometimes smaller word is okay because if we use too many big words, we might come across to somebody thinking we're trying to prove that we're smart when a small word will suffice. And then also over explaining, overdoing something, having too many similar sentences in a row. That's what came to me. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. Not that yeah, I'm reading that, your that mind. Is... Similar. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next up is Marlene Massad. Hello again. Um, one thing that irks me is when I'm flying along on the keyboard and I think I've typed a letter, but it doesn't take or it's not there in a word. And, you know, you have to go back and check that. But I think the difference between editing and revision is that editing is like the grammatical technical structure and spelling and punctuation and quote marks and all of that. But the revision, I think, is when you concentrate more on the plot, what the, what the story is about or the article and how it flows and how it comes across. Thanks. Very good. I can see that distinction and it's a little merged for some of us that do both of them at the same time or in one stage than the other cyclically is what I'm trying to say. Chanel? Yes. Next up is Marsha Summers after Marsha will be Alice. My site's going down so fast. So I've been using the computer so I can make the zoom, make the letters bigger, you know, so that I can change the story around or get rid of a sentence or add a word. And I'm thinking for those of you who can't see it all, how am I, how are you ever editing? It just, it just mystifies me. And I'm, I'm approaching total blindness really quickly. So I wanted to hear what you all had to say. And I love the, the, the suggestion from Anthony to have somebody else read it because I have a girlfriend that can read my story to me. And so I am getting some good ideas. Thank you. Also be aware that it, you can use your voiceover or in Word and some other programs. It has a read aloud feature. So you can have the computer read it the first few times so you can hear it. But having a person read it does give you an idea of the flow better. But you don't have to depend on an individual all the time, Marsha. You can get oh, a preliminary read over through your system as well. So just, that, that can I be just, helpful. I just did that. But like if I if I hear a sentence and I can't see the computer to look at that sentence, how do you change that? I mean, I'm, I don't have JAWS. I just have Zoom. And I am mm -hmm. learning voiceover. My voiceover lesson is at two today. Mm -hmm. But that's that's not on the computer. So if I want So it sounds, sounds like you're using a Windows machine. So you have narrator in your c computer, too, in addition to Zoom. And narrator will read things aloud. So that's the equivalent of voiceover. It's another thing to learn. Learn one thing at a time, but you do have the equivalent of voiceover in your computer. Narrator will read it, but then how do I know where to go to cut a? Yes, yeah, that's a different. That's a different answer. Mm -hmm. Hold on, Cheryl, can you explain a little bit? Your narrator is going to follow your cursor, so you're going to be able to find it. But this is really something that you need to have training on or play around with because it's new. And for any of us to really go through that with you right now, you know, and I don't want to say it's long, but it's tedious that 
there's a lot of explanation to it and and working with you while you're in front of your computer. I don't want you to think that I don't want to answer your question, but it is a technical thing that is going to take time for you to adjust with and learn how to find where your cursor is. How do you spell check? They have training. When you get JAWS or NVDA, you can go through training for that, for how to learn how to use the program. Next up, you have Alice. Thank you, and I'll just do one quick follow-up to Marsha's question before I go on with my own comments, and that is, please know, Marsha, that when you get to the point, you will have all attributes on your computer eventually after you've taken some of this training that Cheryl and Kathy have been talking about. And with all attributes on, you become accustomed to hearing every comma, semicolon, quotation mark, whatever, bold, italicized print. You hear all of those things, and you do become accustomed to that, and you can edit. And so keep that in mind as a positive thought so that you keep moving forward and ahead. Now for my own little comment here. I agree with Marlene. Revision is that portion when we are looking at the larger picture. And it is the greater pieces of content and what we're wanting to do with those larger pieces, whether it be sentence, paragraph, or portions of an essay, poem, or other kind of piece of writing that you may be doing, whereas the editing is the smaller pieces, the commas, the semicolons, and so forth. And instead of spell check, think of it as typo check, because most of us are good spellers, or we know what we do not know how to spell. So we've already looked up a word, perhaps, or are willing to look it up. So don't think of it just as checking your spelling. Think of it as that typo check, because that's what most of us are in trouble about is a little typo here or there. Now, most of us who have done a great deal of writing in our time are doing these in conjunction with one another. We're doing revision and editing at the same time. But for many people, it may be wise to just focus on revision first and then to focus on the editing. You just really will come to a point eventually when you're doing both. Now, Kathy had asked about time, whether it's a short piece or a long piece. I keep reading and rereading and rereading my document until I know that I've gone through it at least two or three times and found nothing that I want to change, nothing. Then I will, as Kathy said, we all don't have that luxury of two weeks. And I was brought up as a journalist and studied journalism. So, you know, it, it, we don't all have that two-week time span. So what I find is good is to get away from the document, even if it's just 10 or 20 minutes. That can bring a fresh mind back to the document. If you can set it down for a full day, obviously that's better. If you can set it down for a week, even better. I've gone back to a poem six months or a year later, and I'll find a comma that I will will change. And I think, oh, I've changed it so much. <laughs> but it's just li something little that I'll find, even six months or a year later. So 
if you can give yourself whatever amount of time, it's so worthwhile. Now, one point as well, a few of you have spoken about reading the document aloud. We don't always have someone nearby who will read it for us. Obviously, that's a wonderful tool for writers. But if you do not, and I could say this is especially true for poetry, and it is, but believe me, it is so good for other types of prose writing as well, and that is reading aloud your poem or piece of prose for yourself. You would be so surprised if you've not done this previously. For those of you who have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is so beneficial. When we have readers' workshops, on one Monday of the month for Behind Our Eyes, and I prepare for that, I will tell you, I think, oh, I just need to do this all the time because it just so improves the quality of the poem when we do read it aloud. And not just read it aloud, but read it with expression. Read it as you would present it. That's the key. You're not just blah, 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 you know, dancing along with words. You're reading expressively, and that is when you will find if you have the right rhythm and pacing for your poem and even your piece of writing. As much as I edit my own work, I will still go back and double, triple, whatever, check every name that I have the name spelled correctly, any proper name. I will go back and I will double check every year. Did I mistakenly write 1997 when I meant 2007 or whatever the case may be? I will check every numeric value in the document more so because I don't want to make little mistakes of that type with numbers or with proper names. I want to be respectful of people whose names I may use in a document, so I go through those extremely carefully. Thank you. Thank you, Alice. Next up is Abby Taylor. I think it's important to know that there is no right or wrong way to edit. Uh, Writers need to find a method that works best for each person. That having been said, the method that I use may sound crazy to some people, especially if you're not a baseball fan. But since my late husband was a fan of the Colorado Rockies, My editing technique, I call it the three strikes in your out rule, meaning that I will read a piece through at least three times. Now, if necessary, if after the third reading, there's still some things that I changed, I'll read through it again. But usually it's like three times. And when I do this, I pay attention to everything at once. Uh, You know, because I've tried doing, okay, let's just do for content. Let's just do for spelling. And I always think, oh, I got to fix this now. I got to take care of it now. So I look at everything all of the time that I'm reading it. And I, so I look at spelling mistakes. I look at, um, the, the, I look at grammar punctuation. I look at perhaps maybe wording a sentence if it's too long. If I'm working with dialogue and fiction, I look at, do I really need that dialogue tag there? And I probably don't. That sort of thing. And I, and I use both Braille and speech. And what I'll do the first time is I'll just go through it with my fine tooth Braille reading finger and, and correct anything that way. And then the second time I will use, read paragraph by paragraph with speech and make any changes that necessary. And then finally I will go back and read aloud to myself with my Braille display. And then if, and then if there's still things I need to change, 
I've changed in the third reading. Then I'll go back and have my speech read to me a fourth time. And usually that does it. But now keep in mind that even if you, you can edit and edit and edit till the cows come home. And even after you've edited something and you've sent something off, I've read things that have been published. And I've even looked at my books at, that have been published. And I thought, you know what? I could have said this differently. Or I didn't need that word there. You're always going to look at find something that needs to be changed, no matter what. That's why I use this rule. And I hope people find it helpful, as crazy as it sounds. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to speak to revision. And any tips and tricks and tools that you may have for learning how to use voiceover on Word on a Mac, I would love to learn. Because as of September 1st, my eyesight has deteriorated to the point where our I used to be able to see a few words at a time, but I cannot read on the computer anymore. I'm kind of in that boat where I'm got to, mm-hmm. I've got to learn that. And one of the things I've started to do is try to be more thoughtful about each sentence before I put it down, as opposed to just throwing all my ideas out. And that's helping because then I think I'll have less revision to do. I write for children. And when I revise, and again, I'm speaking to revision versus editing, You know, one of the first things I'll do is I'll go through and look at my characters, at my character voice and lovability. You know, is there anything I can add or change or remove or what have you to just sort of create more playfulness and interest and quirkiness or something like that to my characters? I also will look at, have I included enough sensory details to really enrich the setting or the action that's taking place? I also have a tendency, a lot, most of my stories have a very strong lyrical element, um, not always rhyming, but sometimes rhyming, sometimes not. And so I try to look for areas where maybe I can use a different word to increase the lyrics sounds of it without sacrificing the the meaning of what's being said. And sometimes I find that it actually strengthens the meaning, which is wonderful. Then I'm very happy with that. Sometimes I'll look for places where I might be able to substitute some narration with dialogue to tighten things up. A lot of writing for children these days, especially with picture books, which I do a lot of, you want to keep your word count down really low. So I look for ways to just really tighten and keeping everything clear and understandable. And if there are some difficult words in it, will the context help to help a child understand what that word means? Because I do like to include higher level words, but make sure that they'll get the meaning through how it's being used in the sentence. And then one of the last things that I do too, which, and this one's the hardest for me, is I look for areas, where can I make it more funny or increase the intensity of a scene or uh, add some humor? And I really admire people who are just naturally funny in their writing. I have to really work at it. But uh, when I make myself laugh or smile at the end of a story, then I feel that I'm finished. And I will send it off to my critique group thinking it's just perfect. (laughs) And then they will tell me, no, it's not. (laughs) And then I go back to the drawing board and I go back and I fix it some more. So it sort of takes me forever. Sometimes some stories come out 
more quickly and they're they get finished much faster and then some I just revise 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 and Diane I would mention to you if you go to hadley.edu and go to workshops and then technical you'll Uh find resources to help you (gasps) thank you thank you (laughs) I feel like you know I've got a mountain in front of me but I know I'll figure it out but I just And they're online, like yeah. tutorials, et cetera. And they even yeah. have a phone number you can call for help. Great. Right. Thank you yeah. so much. You're welcome. This mm-hmm. is such a great group. I thank you again for, for having this, for putting it all together and everything that you're doing. You're welcome. Cheryl, feedback. <laughs> Talking about feedback. Great time for me to come in. Laughter. <laughs> <laughs> she gave uh, a gay, great segue to feedback. I, she feedback. did. She did. Yeah. And we didn't even have this planned. I know. Because um, I was, my husband and I were talking about this yesterday afternoon, how writing has given me an opportunity to play. I was always a type of person to work a room and with my site and go around and visit, you know, that type A personality. And through my writing, I have found a freedom uh, that uh, is beyond what I ever thought I would. And for feedback, yes, reading other people's work. Also, some of the people that I use, people I trust will give me an honest opinion, not give me what they think I want to hear. The first time I had someone edit my work or give me feedback, I was new to this process and she went through and changed punctuation and everything and it changed the entire flow. I mean, and it was not what I wanted because when I'm writing dialogue, the punctuation is going to be different than if I'm writing nonfiction. Because now I have one that's a teacher, another one who has had some of these experiences with me that the books are about. That has been very helpful. They take a print copy and then they come back with me and we sit down and they'll read it. And as they're reading, I'll be at my computer and they'll tell me maybe I can change this, this, and this. I might do it all in a separate document. The page numbers have, they we do it when I have page numbers and we'll do it right there. Or I make notes. I have three people that I've done that with and, and I'm always looking for someone fresh. It's sometimes it's trial and error and not to get discouraged. If it doesn't work out with someone who, is a friend, you may have to go outside that box, but keep looking. And I, cause I don't want someone to say, Oh, it's great. It's great. When it's not, it's like telling me something looks good on me when it doesn't. Alice. There was one point that I forgot to mention that Diane brought to my mind. So thank you, Diane. When you mentioned about adding a sense of humor, when you go back and are revising And one thing that I find I do more and more with my poetry, but also with prose, I go back and am looking at one point in my revision specifically for creativity. Any word or phrase that I have written that's more common or even cliche, I will go back and change and think of a way that I can write that word or phrase more creatively. So that's my creative edit or creative revision. And for all of you who can do humor, God bless you. We need so much more of that. 
when a student would ask me, how can I write more humorously? That's the one time I would say, I can teach you anything, but I cannot teach you humor. That's a, <laughs> a God-given talent. And I was blessed with a few students who did humor wonderfully, like Cheryl does. Uh, even Cheryl's promo made me laugh. I, I just loved that when you were talking about writing about history, mystery in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Your promo piece was delightful. But Thank you. Uh, do a creative edit. Thank you. Thank you. And to read humor. That's, you know, finding you'll learn more dialogue and you'll learn the more we read it and we hear that again and again. And actually there was a New York times article that I was reading earlier this morning that taught those were two things that they talked about was the common words and the cliches and how uh, to go through, edit them out. So our question for the group is how do you identify people that can be a good peer reviewer and what do you ask them to do? Mary Carla Hayes. Um, one thing that I do, and I'll even weigh in on what we did before too. I, with my editing, I find that if I put something away for a while and bring it out, I can have a fresh look at it. I forgot to mention, or nobody, I, I think mentioned that. But the other thing, as far as feedback, I have sort of a novel approach. I write children's stories and children's stories in verse and poems sometimes. And if I'm doing that, I will get some children to give me feedback on it because they're going to be my intended audience. So what I'll do is I'll just find somebody that's going to be sort of within the realm of my intended audience to give me feedback. So it's not exactly the same as a peer review, but it's telling because these are the people I'm trying to reach. And if something does or does not resonate, they can give me valuable information as to whether something will or will not fly or if it's good, bad, or indifferent. So that's my suggestion. I've done that too, Carla. Thank you. I have my beta readers is someone in that age group who will read my books and give me insights. And I always like to get, and then they get their acknowledgments in the book. The next person who has not spoken yet is Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi, guys. Yeah, just um, with the editing stuff, I think that was a really good idea to read stuff aloud yourself because I do that with the radio show I write for because it's designed to be listened to, but I don't do that with the articles and things I write. So I think I'll try doing that. Feedback, slightly envious of you guys being able to choose peer reviewers and all that because I don't really have that. I ask like my nearest and dearest sometimes to read articles and things, but most of the time I send them off to the editor and then they decide whether I do or don't or what did that mean, what did the other mean, and then I've got word count restrictions. The radio show, I sort of find out when I'm working with my producer whether something is good or not. Like There were a few things a few years ago where... I'd be listening to the live broadcast and things would be cut. And I'm like, oh, okay, they didn't like that. So that's what I've got to say. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us. Next up is Marlene Massat. Uh, you've already mentioned beta readers. One thing that has been a great help to me is our writers group. I have to say behindoureyes.org. And it's a writers group for people who have a verifiable disability. And when they give you feedback, it's done in a very kindly and positive manner and two of our great feedback providers are here alice and abby thank you next up is carol mackey i'd like to just define something for me sharing my work 
and getting feedback is very different for me. Um, I share my poetry in a pretty wide group. And I love getting just, you know, oh, this was fun, loved it, whatever. But I'm not asking for feedback when I want that. That's a different process for me. So I think anyone on this call that wants to share their work, that's a different thing than asking for feedback. And I haven't gotten to the point in a big way of looking for feedback or taking that step because that's a really hard one for me to say, okay, here's what I've written. What do you think? That's, I kind of do it here when I bring, read my stuff or have it read, but that's a different process. And so I'd like to just mention that so that anyone here that might be thinking, oh my gosh, so if I share this, it means someone's going to give me feedback. Not necessarily. <laughs> it's very, can be very passive. And I think that's important to remember. Thanks. Thank you. I'm glad I haven't done that with you unless you ask. The next thing was giving feedback. And thank you, Marlene, for sharing that. And I like to think of this saying that I've learned years and years and years ago. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. But don't say it mean. So when I'm giving feedback to someone, I think of how do I want someone to give it to me? How would I, I want them to be honest, but I don't need someone who's just going to rip up my work because we can be fragile at times, depending on where we are on a particular day in a particular place. And that goes for giving feedback. If I'm not feeling well, this isn't the time to share my feedback and maybe I need to put it aside, come back to it. But to say what I mean, mean what I say, and don't say it mean. That's my insight, Kathy. Thank you, Cheryl. That's very good. That's a good summary point. Providing feedback is kind of a, a position of honor and a position of trust. And I think being gracious is really important because people are, can be very fragile and scared to put their work out there. And I think that Carol brought up a fabulous point that just sharing your work doesn't mean you have to get feedback. Everybody doesn't need to have feedback. You reach for it when you're ready. That's part of the developmental process. So thank you for bringing that up, Carol. Cheryl, what's our prompt for next week? Oh, and thank you. And thank you for saying that. And I have a friend who will even have a conversation with me and she'll tell me no feedback. Just be quiet <laughs> and listen. So it's been good practice for me throughout the years. <laughs> the prompt this week is let's give them a hundred words on this that okay. write a review. It would be nice if you've read the creative writing prompt journal to do a review on that, to write a review on a book, because this is great practice for our writing skills. Even an article, a poem you've read, let's try and do the positive. You remember, let's be positive. Choose something that you like, not something you don't like. Thank you. Thank you, everyone for being part of our show today, making it so successful. What a terrific discussion we had. And to our listeners, don't miss next Friday. We're going to have Larry P. Johnson as our guest author on our show. And you might know him from ACB, but he's also has a very active career across being a disc jockey, working in disability field, and as a writer, he has several books on Bard and available through Amazon and other outlets as well. 
The next week, September 30th, will be the Writing Works Wonders Award Celebration. Yes, we earned the Vernon C. Henley Award from the Board of Publications of ACB in July, and we're celebrating it September 30th. And the first week of October, we will have the guest author of Barbara Hinkey, and we're very excited to have her on the show. Be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes, resources, and other episodes. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.